Great experiences build great leaders. Great leaders build great teams. This is Building Great Sales Teams. All right, guys, welcome back to Building Great Sales Teams. Love having you guys listen to this show. Just wanted to touch base with you guys and give you an update on what's going on this week. So we've got the RBO Mastermind coming up. So if you don't know about uh, RBO, that stands for Real Business Owners. Trevor Cowley and Kale Goodman, who are the owner, owners of Easier Accounting, start, started this podcast like five years ago, and it's blown up. It's like one of the top five business podcasts in the nation. And uh, those guys are also in my Apex Mastermind, and that's where I met Trevor and Kale for the first time. And since then, I've been listening to their podcast and have a ton of alignment with these guys. I love their podcast. It's very much what it says, real business owners, and uh, it encompasses everything about owning a business. And so when they said they were coming out with their own mastermind, I knew I had to jump on that. And what I loved about theirs versus like like Apex has a ton of resources and everybody for every different position you can think of and then three tiers, it's a massive mastermind. You know what I mean? And if you're a part of multiple, you know about the stuff that I'm going to get into here, but um, you can also get lost in that, you know what I'm saying? And, you know, RBO is brand new, so they have a very small, intimate mastermind. You're talking to Trevor and Kale every day, you know what I'm saying? So you kind of get that celebrity situation going on a little bit, and then you get over it real quick because then they get in your face and hold you accountable, right? (laughs) But anyways, so... They started their RBO Mastermind. It, it's I've been enjoyed going out to their quarterly events and being on the weekly calls and everything. I've gotten I've learned so much from them. So you know, Apex is business heavy, and uh, I would say RBO is more working on ourselves as, as individuals. We've created this like running club. Everybody's running like ten plus miles. You know what I mean? With each time that they go out, I'm about to run a marathon. Like it's a it, it's it's really a business running club is what it is, but. Anyways, my point of all this is to let you guys know they opened up their second tier, which is called the RBO Inner Circle. It's it's super reasonable. It's like 150 bucks a month or something like that. You jump on calls with the OG Mastermind members like myself and Matt Adkins, uh, Adam Neese, Trevor and Kale, all these amazing, amazing people operating at very, very high levels. And uh, that is a biweekly call as well as you – is you get access to some of the quarterly events that they do. Like they're doing a dinner on Friday night while we're in Vegas and they're inviting everybody out to that dinner that's in the inner circle. So just wanted to make you guys aware of that. So that's where I'm headed this week. So I'm recording my episodes on Monday versus Wednesday when I normally do to make sure that you guys still get your three episodes a week. So all that being said, the episode today is about data-driven ways to increase conversion rates of your sales teams. The hardest thing about doing these super tactical episodes is all of you have so many different variables in your business. So I want you to take them with a grain of salt and look for that one or two nuggets that you can say, hey, there's a data point that I'm not tracking right now that I need to start tracking. Or here's a way that I could increase my conversion rate by doing this type of training. I'm going to mention a few types of training today, and um, that will help you with some of your conversion rates, right? So 
whenever we're talking about conversion rates, that itself is a data point, right? So when we want to increase the conversion rate of our sales teams, the, the first question I ask is, at what point? And do we have the data for all of those points? So the data is where we go first. We have to obtain the data, okay? So this is a four-step process. The first step is obtain the data. The second step is identify the opportunity. The third step is present the data, which is to the sales team or the sales rep. And then the fourth step is coach the opportunity. Obtain the data, identify the data, present the data, and then coach the opportunity. Okay? Uh, I'm sorry, I said that wrong. Obtain the data, identify the opportunity, present the data, coach the opportunity. Now, you guys know what I'm doing here. I'm saying instead of coach the weak point or coach the mistake or coach the, uh, I'm saying opportunity. Opportunity is a positive word. Opportunity means that, hey, I'm doing something that I could be doing better, so it is an opportunity. Look, again, all kinds of variables in your business. You may be dealing with some high-level salespeople that you can give it to them straight. Or you may be dealing with an entry-level salesperson that you have to basically build, break, build, right? So that, that's the process. So the first thing we want to look at is the data itself, those conversion rates. What are we tracking and how can we obtain that data? And the easiest and simplest way that I have found to obtain the necessary conversion data is to start from a baseball card-like structure, okay? And uh, we've been using baseball cards for a long time. We call them baseball cards because they give us a batting average, right? And every industry is different. But like a baseball card, that batting average from 0 to 1, 100 is terrible, 100 to 200 all right, if you're a really good pitcher, I could deal with that. Uh, 300 to 400, now we're getting good. And 400 to 500, now you're in the Hall of Fame, right? And so when we talk about having given full presentations and then made the sale, that's the conversion rate that I base my baseball average off of, right? But there's a bigger thing happening there, okay? And I'm going to walk you guys through it, right? So the, the, the first red flag that's going to happen when you look at conversion rates is lead quality. All right, let's make sure that we don't have a quality issue with leads before we go tearing apart the sales process, the sales team, and their strategies for closing, right? So let's look at the leads first, okay? And the way that we understand, okay, we don't have good leads is we look at, all right, how many attempts are made and how many touches happen. So an attempt is a phone call an email, a text, a uh, door knock, whatever the case is, an attempt. This is an outgoing attempt to reach the, the lead, okay? The lead may be in a neighborhood. The lead may be on the phone. doesn't matter what your medium is, okay? And when I made that attempt, how many times did I actually touch a customer, right? That's a touch point, right? So... I'm going to use door knocking because it is the simplest thing to use and everybody understands that, right? So if I go out and I knock on 80 doors, that's an attempt. If I talk to 40 people, that's a touch, okay? It doesn't matter if all I said was hi and slammed the door. That is a touch, okay? The attempt is the act of knocking on the door or in other people's cases, the act of dialing on the phone. 
sending the text, sending the email, or the CRM, sending out stuff, right? All right, so if my touch-to-attempt rate is too low, then I'm probably knocking in the wrong area, calling the wrong kind of leads. They're probably age leads, so my touch-to-attempt rate is going to be super low. Attempt-to-touch rate, however you want to package it there. All right, but here's where it gets it gets interesting, and it, and it can be 50% the sales rep and 50% the actual leads, the touch-to-presentation rate, all right? And the disposition on this matters. So if I'm able to give a full, if I'm able to give my full pitch, if I'm able to ask for the business at the end of the conversation, that is a full presentation. That's a data point. I was able to present to the customer. So attempts to presentation rate is a metric, and then touch to presentation rate is a metric, right? So if my attempt to presentation rate is super low, most of the time I can blame leads. If my touch to presentation rate is super low, then that's on the sales rep, okay? So that's how we identify lead quality issues is using those two metrics right there. So the, the next metric that we want to identify lead quality issues is credit or cash rate, right? So if I close 10 deals, how many of them fail because of credit? If two are failing because of credit, I've got a really good lead quality, whether it be the neighborhood, the numbers that I'm calling, or the leads that come in digitally off of advertising campaigns, I've got a really good lead quality. Now, if half of all of my closes fail credit, and if they need financing, then my quality, my lead quality isn't that great, right? And then the same thing. If you're selling a lower, a lower price point, then the, the cash rate matters, which is the sa- same thing essentially. Like I was able to convince the customer that they wanted it, but then when I told them the price, they had to back out. That's not a close, Right. But we need to measure that rate so we know that, hey, we're fishing in the wrong pond. So that's what this whole lead quality thing is about, right? The first thing I'm always going to look at is lead quality whenever my sales program is suffering, okay? It's easy to go to the closers and say, you need to close more and not really give them a reason why or identify an issue that they have, right? So that's why we have to obtain the data first. All right, so going back into this baseball card, right, We'll walk through uh, attempts. So that's what we need to measure. We need to measure the attempts, which is the knock or the phone call or the text, whatever. However we attempt to reach the customer. Actual touches, we get in touch with the customer. We're going to measure that. Full presentations. I've, I was able to actually give a full presentation. We're going to measure that. And then after that, it's closes. I was able to give a full close. All right? So... We need to obtain that data and make sure that you're obtaining enough data, right? It's at least, you know, and it, it depends on the industry, but I can obtain a week of door-to-door data and pretty much know what's going on within that sales program. Um, telemarketing, I would say those numbers need to be higher, two or three weeks, depending on how many people you have on the phone, how many leads you're working. But you need some volume is the bottom line. You know what I mean? And if you have past volume, obviously that's going to help. If you are not, if you have a sales program, a sales team, or a salesperson, and you're not measuring what I just described, then you're doing yourself and your company and your team a disservice. You need to measure these things so you know where your areas of opportunity are, right? All right, so if my salesperson is getting 100 attempts a day, but they're only 
touching 20 customers, all right? They're working the wrong area. They're working the wrong leads. They need to go to different leads. They need to go to different area, or we need to get them different leads, right? If my salesperson is getting, let's just say, 40 touches, but only giving five presentations, that's a low conversion rate to presentation, okay? Now I need to attack that part. Now I need to do what we call warm with form, okay? That is a... uh, that is a training that focuses on building rapport with the customer. All right. It's a very simple training. If you look it up, you should be able to come up with it. If not, then uh, reach out to me and I'll shoot you a quick template on warm with form. What does that mean? All right. Well, it's an acronym. Form is family, occupation, recreation, and materials. Okay. So when I approach a customer, when I attempt a customer on the way there, I am going to find out as much as possible as I can about that customer. If I'm walking up to the door, I'm looking for the toys in the yard, the oil-filled bumper sticker on the back of the truck, the UT floor mat, okay? And these are going to give me my report builders for the entry-level point of the conversation, right? Because if I am touching a lot of customers but I'm not getting a full presentation, then I have, an intro- I have a problem with my introduction. My introduction... Conversion rate is the issue, and I need coaching on that opportunity. Okay, so warm with form, going back to it. The, so the first, the first part is family, right? So you have a conversation with the customer. Oh, I saw the toys in the yard. You, have, you obviously have small kids. I have small kids too. Man, I was just at my kid's school the other day. They got in trouble for trading Pokemon cards. You have that problem with your kids, you know? And so you're building rapport. They're saying, hey, I'm just like you. I have kids. My kids have you know, behavioral issues or, you know, my kids like Pokemon, wherever the common ground is that you can find, you need to go ahead and do that. And that's the, that's the training piece, right? That's family, right? Then you go into occupation, right? Oil field sticker on the back of the truck, you know, depending on what you're selling. And this, this, this works however it needs to work, right? A lot of your customers on the lead gen side, on the telemarketing side, they fill out a form, right? There's little indications in that form, of ways to build rapport and you can bring it out of them in the conversation right hey mr jones uh what do you do for a living you know what do you like to do in your spare time right you're bringing out that warm with form so it's family occupation talk about the occupation recreation you know you see a boat in the driveway or the garage or you see weights free weights in the garage whatever the case is what do they like to do for fun and let's chop it up about that let's find some common ground the best salespeople in the world know a little bit about a lot. You know what I mean? And it's because they have so many conversations and all those weird hobbies you would think you never heard of, they find out about. You know what I'm saying? And then they're able to relate to, oh, yeah, I had a customer just like that. So if you, I'm not saying go to a customer in line and act like you're interested in things that you aren't interested in, but you can definitely use your, your other customers to create that common ground. Oh, yeah, I had a customer signed up last week. You know, he likes to collect earwax, too. You know what I mean? Whatever the case is. So, warm with form, family, occupation, recreation. And then the last one is materials. This is the easiest one. If you're in person, you can actually see the materials around them. And you can simply compliment what they have. They tell you the story behind it, why they got it, why they love it. No like and trust factor. All right, if I do this training and I focus on this in my sales pitch and 
as a sales manager, I'm monitoring their calls and listening to them and, and listening for that training in there, then I'm going to increase that touch to presentation conversion rate, which will increase my overall conversion rate because I'll give more presentations, all right? So touch to presentation goes from five, uh, five presentations to 15. Now we got a higher conversion rate. We're converting at roughly 40% which isn't bad. It's not great. We always want to convert half or more from touch to presentation, right? All right, so they got that conversion rate up. Now it's presentation to closes. Same thing. You know, they give 10 presentations, and they're only closing two customers, right? Now let's take credit and cash out of, the, out of this for a second because that happens after the close, right? So let's take that out of it. And let's just concentrate on the fact that they're only closing two out of 10 customers, all right? So now we could be having a ton of different issues, one of them being uh, overcoming objections, all right? One of the first things that I have my clients do whenever they have closing issues is create a simple one-sheeter. You know, you guys know I love one-sheeters, front and back, Right the, On the front side, we've got impulse factors, which is Jones effect, indifference, fear of loss, and sense, sense of urgency, okay? And those impulse factors should cater to your product and your business, right? So like I'm in solar, uh, the Jones effect. Oh, yeah, the Jones is down the street. Uh, just got installed Friday. We were coming by because they said you might also want a free custom solar quote, right? So that's Jones effect. Indifference, no big deal. I'm just here for the day setting appointments for the – I got another appointment here in an hour. We can get you set up right now. What do you want to do? Indifference, no big deal. Um, fear of loss, you know, we're just in the neighborhood for this week. You know, we're just making these phone calls for this week. I'm just in your city this week. So that, that's fear of loss, you know what I mean? And whatever your special, your offer that you're running that week – you throw it out there, then that's fear of loss. And then sense of urgency, hey, real quick, let's just get you a solar quote and see how much you're going to be saving month one. It'll take 15 minutes, you know what I'm saying? And so sense of urgency is the last one, and that is the very simple, basic, front-end overcome, ways that you can overcome objections, right? So they, they throw the objection at you, and you use one of the GIFs to overcome the objection, right? And you can use those from intro to, to presentation as well because uh, for that conversion rate because you can do the, they're basically throwing you an objection at the introduction piece of the, the sales process and you overcome that objection using GIFs. All right, and then on the back side of it, more specific objections, probably about four specific objections that they have to overcome, create the front and back, how they're going to overcome those objections and then have them train on that, increase that conversion rate from presentation to close. You know, one of the other trainings that I like to do, and this, this, will help, this, this will help touch the presentation and it'll help presentations to close, is Rory Vaden selling the way customers want to buy. That's Rory Vaden selling the way customers want to buy. It's one of my favorite presentations. And what he does in that training is teaches you how to identify four customer types. The first customer type is, in, oh, I'm sorry, the first customer type is fighter, right? And we all act like to act like we get fighters at every door, or every phone call, or every text, right? So there's ways to identify the fighter, and then um, there's ways to identify the second one, which is entertainer, the third one, which is detective, and then the fourth one, which is counselor, 
And so he draws this chart, and based on their voice inflection, their body language, the words that they choose, and the style that they talk, you can identify which that customer is. And usually you can identify it within the first five seconds if you're meeting them in person. Over the phone's a little harder. You have to, it takes you a little longer to identify, but this is a, a, a door-to-door sales training that, that flows throughout any kind of sales that you do. And so once you identify which customer profile type they are, then you're able to use your own profile type in order to sell them, right? So if you can be four different selling types, which is fighter, entertainer, detective, and counselor, at any given time, if you can morph into those selling types, then you're going to be able to sell any customer that opens up that door. You have to identify it, and then you have to use your use their, the selling type that they like to be sold. So selling the way customers want to be sold. You have to use the selling type they like in order to sell them. It's a great training. Look it up. Um, Southwestern Consulting is the company that he puts the training on under. So Southwestern Consulting, how to sell customers the way they want to buy. And uh, I think he does that with another person. And there's a YouTube video out there, so go check that out. We'll put it in the show notes. But it is an amazing training. You may have to jump on a webinar with them in order to get it. But it, it, if not, I know it frontwards and forwards and backwards. And so maybe one of these episodes, I'll try and do that training uh, verbally. It really is a visual training, though. So you're going to have to look on YouTube for that episode. But it, it's a really great episode. Okay. So we've got our data. We've identified the opportunities. You know, we're done, right? We need to coach on those opportunities. And then we need to increase those conversion rates. The power of focus needs to be huge here. The problem is every time we have a conversion rate problem or our guys aren't closing enough, you know, we throw our hands up and say, what's the problem? You know, and then they say things like, oh, baby mama this, you know, like I got to go personal stuff. You know, the company doesn't appreciate me. All these emotions come into play when conversion rates start suffering. All right. Take the emotions out of it. Obtain the data. Investigate the data. Uh, I'm sorry, obtain the data, identify the opportunity, present the data, coach the opportunity. Keep it about the data, and then you can get the feelings aside. The last piece of that is the follow-up. Okay, so my man, Drewby Wilson, gives one of the greatest follow-up trainings you've ever seen or heard. So if follow-up is your issue, you need to call my man, Drewby. But the way that we obtain the data for follow-ups is we're looking at attempts post-presentation, Right. Because we obviously we didn't close the customer, so it, it got left at presentation. You know, we have a presentation to close issue. All those presentation to close, the ones that didn't get closed, all those are is new opportunities for your follow up process. Okay, and if you're and if you're and if your salesperson is responsible for the follow up process, then you need to work that data, which is obviously uh, follow ups, and then how many times are they attempting afterwards? The conversion rate from the time that that customer is now a follow-up to how many attempts that they gave and the conversion rate along the way. So if you're identifying this data for the first time, again, create a large sample size so that you're able to identify, okay, most customers finally convert after three touches or four touches or five touches. We all have those averages that are thrown out on social media and in sales books, but you need to find your specific average. So figure out what that specific average is. 
and make sure that you set up an SOP for the sales rep, an SOP for follow-up, right? And then your scope of work needs to include that SOP, or not include that SOP, it includes the time of the day that they're going to work on follow-up. So we all know the best time to follow up is, is not prime time. Prime time is when we should pros- be prospecting new customers. We should be following up when we have downtime, right? So if you're in door-to-door, if you're in telemarketing, if you're in um, referral-based sales, the best time to follow up is in the morning, early afternoon. That is the best time to follow up or the, the, the last touch point before the end of the night, right? So another good time to follow up is in door-to-door sales is when it's dark because you have a reason to go to that customer's home because you had a comeback schedule with them. You had an appointment, whatever the case is, you went to follow up. Hey, you know, I, I know it's getting dark out, just following up. I came by earlier today. So you, you have a uh, touch point with that customer already, right? So, so going into that, that follow-up process needs to be dialed in. There needs to be an SOP for it. So they can literally walk into the office, jump on their phone, and, and follow their follow-up process and scripts that go along with it. You know, make sure you have scripts along the way. And the problem is most sales organizations or people that have sales programs don't have this part. They don't have the data for this part. They don't even, their salespeople aren't even following up. And they're leaving so much money on the table because purchasing something is an emotional decision for a customer. And maybe they just weren't in the right emotional framework to make the decision at that time. But what happens is now you've brought it to their door. So now the next person that knocks on their door is probably going to close them or the next ad that they see or the next phone call they get or the next text that they get that is about the same product. You've primed them. You've primed them. To, to buy that product, and now the next person that reaches out to them about it is going to get to close them. And they're, they're thinking they're a great closer, but they only closed because you primed them and didn't follow up. All right? So collect the data for the follow-up, create the SOP based on the data, and then start testing scripts and collect data for those scripts and how well they convert. And then once you have the, the best SOP and the best scripts in place, then have your salespeople execute, and then you'll notice based on the steps in the follow-up process, they have points at which they're not executing, and you can coach them on those points. So that's the follow-up piece of it. So this episode was a very tactical way to obtain the data, identify the opportunity, present the data, and coach the opportunity in in seeking a way to increase those conversion rates for your sales teams, guys. So you guys know we don't advertise. We don't ask for anything. Uh, I'm trying to put out as much value as possible and giving you guys, you know, in, insights to what I'm coaching on when I'm consulting my clients and their sales programs. And uh, I would love if you all share the show. This value could get to more people that need to hear it just like you. And if you could post a review of the show, that would even be, be even better because the algorithm of the podcasting gods love that. So I appreciate you guys. This has been Data-Driven Ways to Increase Conversion Rates of Your Sales Team. Let's get building. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Building Great Sales Teams. 
be sure to execute on what you just heard and let's get building. As always, remember to subscribe and leave a review wherever you consume podcasts. You can also head on over to buildinggreatsalesteams.com and sign up for our newsletter to stay up to date with everything that's going on with the podcast. See you next time.